All right, y'all, we are back live once again for another week of In the Huddle. It's me, Jason, here with Miles, Nick, and producer Dave in the truck. We're talking Vikings coaches. Roland's coming up. If you're watching this later, the Roland's too long. Skip ahead two minutes, but I think you should listen to it. Dave put great work into it, and it gets us fired up. Dave, hit the music. Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents Jason and the Boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. All right, we are back. Look at that. Dave's graphics on another level. Gotta love it. Shout out to producer Dave putting in that work behind the scenes. Before we get going here, just want to say thank you to some folks who've already dropped some comments for us. Nick Howard. Mary, Vikings, Jerome, Daniel, Ryan, I mean, producer Dave in the comments too, Jared, you know, Jeffrey, what up, y'all? We're about to hop into this. Let's do this thing. And as we jump in, we got a special guest. He used to be here every week. He's kind of busy these days, you know. You should also check him out on the Kindred Skulls podcast. It's the other doctor, different kind of doctor, law doctor. Nick Olson, my man, how you doing? How you been? Jur- Juris doctor, everybody's least favorite kind of doctor. <laughs> I'm good, man. <laughs> I know, but sometimes uh, with, they come in handy. With Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah, Jim yeah. Harbaugh. That's that's the big news tonight. So uh, it's all coming together. Been a whirlwind couple yeah, of weeks. Huh. So uh, this is an exciting time. I feel like it's reached a fever pitch. So uh, I love it. Awesome I love stuff. it. I love it. The we off got- season, the most exciting time to be a Vikings fan. We have another weird <laughs> sound invading the stream. We have, the clicking is back, but we are going to push through. We're going to fight. We're going to make it work. Miles, how you doing? How you been? What's going on uh, with you? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm good. <laughs> kind of. I'm. I'm. I'm like ready for all this to be over. I think I've been over the like all the um, all the back and forth, all the like spec- speculations and all that. I think. We've just heard so many things over the last few weeks, whether it's GM and now head coach. And so I, I'm just ready for it to be over. <laughs> like if tomorrow, if they don't like make Jim Harbaugh the head coach tomorrow, like people are going to, are going to freak out. And I, I'm like, I'm kind of here for it at this point. I think the way like Twitter has gone today, I'm kind of like low key hoping that's the, the route that happens just, just for the optics. But like in general, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely ready for this to be over. All right. Well, like speaking of uh, reckless speculation, Dave, I guess we got a clip. Our friends over at Score North, Judd, tapping into his uh, his sources, and uh, he's got some Harbaugh news for us. So before we get into it, let's hear what they had to say about it. I've just I've got it here, and I feel like it's worth putting out there. Okay. <clears throat> Harbaugh thinks he's going to get this job. Nothing has been guaranteed, but he will be here tomorrow. And the feeling at the end of the day is he's going to be the new head coach of the Vikings. Wait, okay. That's someone you said here. Is that someone in Minnesota? Someone in Minnesota. Okay. In Minnesota. So you read that one more time? Yes, yes. Jim Harbaugh thinks he's going to get the job. Nothing has been guaranteed, but he's coming tomorrow, which has been reported, obviously, with the feeling at the end of the day, he is the new head coach of the Vikings. Reckless speculation. No, that's and that's a window into his psyche. Uh, of yeah, course, he's not coming of course here. he thinks he's going to get the job. He's yes. Jim Harbaugh. 
and they could say no but what this what the path that this leads me down is i think it gets farther and farther away unless this is a great bluff that the dolphins are waiting in the wings with a plane here no i th- his right, interest so that, in the vikings Dave, is absolutely let's hop in we can talk about the i'm sure we'll talk about the dolphins later so we, we let's talk about harbaugh now uh Miles, you said you're kind of here for the chaos. I'll start with you on this one. Like, what are your yeah. thoughts on kind of the circus? Because something that you said fairly consistency isn't consistently isn't necessarily that you're against a move, but you also feel like a lot of the the hype, the steam, the push behind all of this seems to be maybe coming from Harbaugh's camp. Like, it seems like a full court mm-hmm. press from the Harbaugh camp. Uh, so, I guess maybe tell us a little bit more about like how you're feeling about the Harbaugh situation and like. Yeah, why you think maybe some of this might be hype, why you maybe are here for some of the chaos that could ensue. (laughs) Yeah, to start, I think some of the hype is definitely coming from the Harbaugh side because I think all the news we've heard is Harbaugh wants back in the NFL. And I think he hasn't gotten the the calls or opportunities he thought he was going to get when he let the NFL know that he wanted back in. And so my guess is not that the Vikings are like a – like the last choice type of type of situation. I very much think he's excited about this opportunity. Um, but it does kind of feel like this is his only opportunity. And so that means it's this or back to Michigan. And so for me, I think the driving the narrative of, Oh, it's already a done deal. It's just basically a formality at this point. He's just coming here to sign his, to, to sign his name on the dotted line. Like I don't, the way the Vikings have been operating the last, even the few years, even the old regime, now into the new regime, I just don't think that information would fully be out there yet just because of all the other interviews that they've been doing and kind of their due process and how, how late Harbaugh got into the, into the game, into the mix. And so um, I think personally that it's just coming from Harbaugh's side, just trying to like drum that up and get people excited because that's what Harbaugh does. Harbaugh brings the show. And I think very much that's going to get the Wilfs excited. That's going to get um, like the fan base is excited. Like, we literally have all these people on Twitter. Nick, you're guilty of it. They changed their profile pic <laughs> to like this weird to this weird Harbaugh, this weird Harbaugh picture, right? Like that's the type of buzz he brings. And so I can understand the excitement. I'm not even opposed to the excitement. It, it's really exciting because Harbaugh, when he was in the NFL, he was a really good football coach. And so and he's been a good coach at, at every, everywhere he's been. Um, my only hesitation is as he comes if you know if he comes back to the NFL is how does he adapt to a changing NFL? The NFL is changing. It's not the same as it was in 2015 when he was when he was last year. I know he was in college, but their offense wasn't anything innovative. It wasn't anything crazy. It was, you know, pretty pro-style basic um, NFL or uh, college. Um, so, and they ran, ran a lot, did all that stuff. And he didn't have the – he had very much like a Kirk Cousin type quarterback at Michigan his whole time there. Didn't really have that, um, you know, at San Francisco. He had Alex Smith. He was a – you know, pretty good dual threat quarterback had Colin Kaepernick. Um, and so I'm just curious to see what, what type of quote unquote innovation he's looking to bring to the NFL. If any, he, I'm not saying he can't go back to his usual, can't do a lot of that stuff doesn't correlate still, but I'm just curious how he views the like changing NFL now being 58 years old and, and all those things. Um, but as for the chaos, I'm always here for the chaos because it's fun. I mean, besides the speculation part, that's gotten really annoying. Um, I'm just excited to kind of, in my head, it doesn't still feel real. I think it, it just doesn't, not, something's not adding up for me and it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. And I'm just going to like 
eh, right? Like I'm a deal. Like I'm going to be excited. I think, I think Harbaugh is the one person that you can guarantee at least. Well, I know Nick hates floors and ceilings, but I think Harbaugh brings you a floor that you definitely have no idea about with the, with the other coaches, other candidates. Like Harbaugh has a baseline of talent and an ability that he can bring to a football team that, you know, he's going to give you. So um, I think there's some security in that. That feels good. Um, my, my biggest question next would just be like, what, what's the overall plan? Like how much influence is Harbaugh going to have? And besides the influence, what direction do they try to go in 2022? Because we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, like they don't have cap space. The only way to create cap space is either cutting a whole bunch of, 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 of veterans or it's um, Daniel Hunter and, and Kirk Cousins, whether it's trades or, or extensions. And even in that case, those extensions aren't going to net a lot of cap space. And so it, it's just all about how the optics of what they're planning to do for 2022 so that they can be a long-term, long-term success, not just a flash in the pan. All right, Nick, talk to me. Miles had some great points there. Kind of where are you on the Harbaugh thing? And one of the things I've heard people kind of bring up a little bit when they talk about Harbaugh is that I think when 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 Questy started talking in his press conference about like the type of coach he wanted to bring in and the type of environment he wanted to create, it doesn't seem to align with the perception people tend to have when they think of, of Jim Harbaugh. Um, and so I guess as you've been thinking about this and the excitement um, and everything that's built around the team now with Harbaugh in the running, like, yeah, what is what? What are your thoughts on like that mix of what you know was described in terms of what the what our new Vikings would look like and where Jim Harbaugh kind of fits into that whole thing? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, you wouldn't necessarily think coming off Mike Zimmer that Jim Harbaugh would be the the, the first choice, especially when Quasi introduced himself as you know Mister Collaboration, Mister uh, Listen to Everybody, Mister Build Consensus by um, having an inclusive environment where everybody speaks up is heard and everybody gets on the same page. Um, I'm not, that's not to say that, that Jim Harbaugh isn't that, but um, we, when we last saw him in the NFL, it was coming to a messy divorce in San Francisco uh, with Trent Baalke and Jed York, essentially pushing him out. Um, things getting very messy there. Um, and part of that, I think, um, you know, is, 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 is bulky being, you know, Balky's bounced around a little bit and not successfully. And he seems to be the common denominator in all his problems. So, um, and, and you don't necessarily see that. Like when Arbaugh left Stanford, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this big controversy. He, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's always been a character. He does crazy things. Um, he smears blood on his face. He, <laughs> he's, he's got crazy antics and he's, he's prickly, um, with the press in, in press conferences, but he's not like, a um, uh, an urban Meyer type or something that, you know, is going to come out of college and then just destroy your, your locker room. So, um, but that's it. It's still funny. Like we're going from Mike Zimmer thinking like, oh, we're going to get we're going to get younger. We're going to turn over a new leaf. And instead, we're getting this 57 year old um, or 58 year old uh, um, like like blue blooded NFL coach. So um, it's it's a funny fit. But but at the same time, I think it's a great fit. Um, I think it's like the exact sort of like the, the, the hire that like me personally, I'm so hyped about Jim Harbaugh, I think. This is a guy who has the fourth best win percentage of any NFL coach all time over the last 50 years of coaches who've coached four years in the NFL before. Fourth best. It's like John Madden, uh, uh, um, uh, Lomb- Lombardi, uh, George Hallis, and then like like Jim Harbaugh is fourth. So it's, he won 70% of his games 
That was with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick as, as his quarterbacks. Granted, he had a lot of great defenders and he had Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. But, I mean, that's part of the thing that, like, that's part of the big appeal of, with Jim Harbaugh is he's going to bring Vic Fangio along or somebody like Vic Fangio along. And that's that was the name that was rumored. I think Arif Sana was actually the one who who kind of reported that news or broke it initially that, like, Fangio was, was, was in talks and Fangio is available right now. So if you can get fan, if you can get Vic Fangio, who himself, I think is just as good of a defensive mind as Mike Zimmer is just as good of a defensive mind as anyone out there. Um, and you combine it with Jim Harbaugh, who's an offensive guy who was a quarterback in the NFL. Um, he doesn't necessarily call plays. Um, I mean, he can, and he does sometimes, but, um, he's more like a, a, a scheme guy uh, and, and figures things out. So I feel like that's a very, very potent combination. Um, and so I'm really excited. I mean, this is a guy who just doesn't lose a lot of games in his four years in the NFL, three times he went to the NFC championship game or better. So anytime you hire somebody like that, um, it, it, it is a massive like boost to the, to the organization, to the franchise, as far as where the, where the futures lie and where we're going with this team. So I, I think it's, I think it's about as, as big of a home run hire as you could have said. And, and I'll be honest, like, after we fired Zimmer, after we fired Spielman, after we tore things down, I was kind of in full doomer phase. Like I was ready to be like, this is going to suck for a little bit. This team probably isn't going anywhere. Eight and nine is probably going to look pretty good by this time next year. Um, but then they went and hired the one GM candidate that I've like had a man crush on for a year. And then they went and hired like the one head coaching candidate that I never thought they'd be able to pull. So um, I've, I've completely flipped uh, my flipped around and they, the Vikings just always find a way to, to get me to buy back in. So I'm pretty hyped right now. I'm enjoying it while it lasts. So uh, exactly. one thing, because that there are other way. candidates, get he's, your hopes up. he's not hired yet. He's not hired yet. So there's other candidates, but I have one more no. question for you, Nick, before we move on to like, you know, some of the other candidates who have been interviewed or being interviewed, et cetera. Um, what kind of offense are you expecting from, from Jim Harbaugh? Cause like miles did bring up the point that like, when he did come in and like they did kind of take the league by storm a bit with a different sort of offense, you know, Kaepernick, I think everyone remembers running wild on the Packers um, in the playoffs uh, on one of their runs uh, through the championship game. Like, but like the te- a lot of teams have caught up to like the things that were maybe innovative for them, you know, at the time. And like, as like Miles said, like when you look at the Michigan offense, it doesn't look like anything that's like particularly like innovative in terms of like what they're doing out there. So like, what are your thoughts in terms of um, what he's going to be bringing to the offensive side of the ball? Cause like Fangio home run, uh, you know, Pep Hamilton, you know, that is someone who's been rumored. Um, you know, that could be another great one. Don't know if our offensive line can stand up to some of the concepts he likes running, but um, yeah, I'm curious on like what your thoughts are on what the, uh, the type of offense that you would predict that Harbaugh would bring with him. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like this will signal a divorce from the wide zone stuff we've been doing ever since um, Kevin Stefanski brought in Gary Kubiak to, to install that offense. Because, um, I mean, Harbaugh dabbles in a lot of different concepts, but his foundational play is power. Um, it's, you know, the pulling guard, shoot it through the gap and let's drive block, get off the ball and then follow the pulling guard. And let's 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 let's, you know, block dies, block guys and shove them off the ground as, you know, a few feet back as far as they can go. Um, which is very different from the bucket step. I'm going to turn 90 degrees and just rush to the sideline and we're going to create gaps and we're going to create a hole and the running back is going to find a, find one cutback and go. Um, so it's, it's a very different style of offense because it requires very different offensive line and the wide zone stuff requires your Garrett Bradbury's, your undersized guys who can just scoop and who can reach block and who can, who can scoop and who can get around guys who can climb to the second level and seal guys off. 
Um, whereas like a, if you're running duo, if you're running um, power, if you're running any of those more gap scheme runs, um, you want guys who can who can push guys off the ball. You want, you know, your hog mollies there. So uh, that's more Christian Darasaw, less um, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury. So it's it's interesting. I, I do think Harbaugh would be able to run something that like, I mean, everybody runs wide zone, right? So like it's not like it's not like he can't build an offense out of wide zone if that's what he wants to go. Um, he'll probably want an offensive line coach who can who can install those concepts a little bit. Um, but I do think when you hire Jim Harbaugh and when you're talking about Pep Hamilton, you talk about these other guys that Harbaugh's worked with. When you looked at what he what he did with the 49ers, which was you know it was that was mostly power, but it was also um, you know they were they were doing the the, the Kaepernick pistol. Um, there's a little bit of zone read sprinkled in there. Um, it all marries so well together, but. Um, it all goes back to really the same thing the Vikings have been trying to do. Going back to Norv Turner um, is is they they want to they want to set up r- the run game to set up explosives in the pass game. Um, so that's kind of I think that'll be the concept regardless of how they do it. And you can you can do um, you can set up play action shot play, plays off off of any run concept. You can it, the important thing is that it all blends together and it marries together. So I think of Harbaugh as like kind of a, a power version of of Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, he'll, he'll throw you a lot of window dressing at you. Um, he'll get a lot of create, he'll get very creative with it. He runs a lot of very, very different variations of, of running plays. And it makes it very difficult for the opposing offense because the linebackers have to key off of, you know, um, on any given play, anybody can block any different way. So it's, it's very difficult to read it. And then he makes all the, all the explosive play action plays look like the run plays too. So, um, you, you can build all those similar concepts off of it. Um, I think we'll start to see a little bit of a shift away from wide zone, which probably means fewer opportunities for the Garrett Bradburys, more opportunities for the wide Davises. Guys like um, O'Neal, Darasaw, um, Udo, I think could fit pretty well in either scheme. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. Um, but I think either way, um, it's going to be an offense that's that's going to want to run to set up explosive play action shots the way that Kyle Shanahan does. But it'll just look maybe a little bit more like um, Greg Roman's offense in Baltimore, um, as opposed, you know, probably without the QB running, you know, unless they go Kellen Mond, but on us, but um, a, li- a little bit more more power um, and a little a little less wide zone. So that'll be an interesting shift. It it all it it'll all it'll all depend on who he fills out his staff with, and that's the most interesting thing about Harbaugh is, is the staffs he built out. It's not just Fangio's, the Pep Hamiltons. It's his offensive line coaches. Obviously, big fan Joe for the last few years was with Mike Munchak as his offensive line coach, and Munchak is probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL right now. Um, so, and and they they would mat, mat, mash up pretty well because Munchak himself is, um, you know, he'll do inside, you know, he can run wide zone, but he's more of just like a uh, he'll he'll do power or zone or whatever. And I, I feel like that would sort of match well, not not just because of the Harbaugh connection, but because of the Fangio connection. So we have to see how the rest of the coaching staff shakes out. Um, but I think either way. This is this is a guy who's who's a really good schemer. Um, I'm not worried about. Um, I, I think he'll he'll find a scheme that fits the players, but also gets this offense explosive, gets rid of all the three and outs, and finds a way to put points on the board. All right, Miles, were you were you raising your hand to speak, or yeah. were you just saying hi to Stephen? No, no, I do have a quick question. So I actually thought this was very interesting. An interesting um, part that um, Alex Boone mentioned when on Purple Daily with Score North earlier today. Uh, talking about his experience in the um, Jim Harbaugh offense, kind of everything Nick's talking about. But he talked about how the quarterback is so responsible for everything that, that happens. Like the quarterback's the, the the driver of the bus of the offense, and they're the ones making dis- key decisions. They're the ones 
making checks at the line. They're the ones not calling the plays, but essentially being the being that driver. One one thing we've kind of learned about Kirk Cousins over the four years is that doesn't seem to be his like mo of like being the driver. He likes to be the hey, if you tell me where to go and what to do, I'm gonna do it all. Like, and he there's not many quarterbacks better than Kirk Cousins at essentially being told what to do. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. I think that's like a good skill set to have. Like Kirk's a really good, um, is really good in those, in those, in those uh, facets. My, I'm just curious of like, because of that ownership of the offense and ownership of taking control and, and making checks and making decisions at the line and doing all those things. I'm not saying Kirk can't do it. I'd just be curious to see kind of how that dichotomy would happen or if, if at all, I mean, we, we obviously don't know the decision on Kirk still, no matter who the coach is. Um, I think, you know, maybe Harbaugh does want to bring in like a, I'm just using this as an example, like a Marcus Mariota for his, you know, his run pass ability. Um, we obviously have Kellen Mond, but that, that one, I'm not even, like, Kellen Mond is Kellen Mond, right? Like if he can become something great, I would, I'm not going to bank on it. Um, but it's, I'm just curious. going to come see like, you now. I know. I'm just, I'm just curious, like how, how that type of offense would fit to Kirk because if Kirk doesn't feel comfortable in that type of environment, like I know in 2018, a big hiccup was like Kirk had to make a lot of those decisions. And I think there was times where he did really well, but then there was times where it kind of, I think slowed his processing down because he had to think so much. And I'm just, I'm just curious about that, that whole, whole situation. If Harbaugh were to be the coach and, and they put all those responsibilities on the, on the quarterback. Nicholas. Do you have those same concerns? Um, no, I, I I do, and Kirk is Kirk, and he's we he's been kind of the same guy through a lot of different offensive coordinators. Different guys can coax different right. things out of him. Like McVeigh, Stefanski made him look like um, almost like an MVP candidate for a while. Um, they they were able to get some very efficient play out of him, but at the end of the day, Kirk is still going to be Kirk. So um, I don't know. Harbaugh is such a I don't want to call him a player's coach, but he's like very much like a, like a, um, I don't know. He's going to try and coax the best out of you. And he's like, he's like a true, like old yeah. school, like high school coach, like, you know, believe in you and like, like, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, like build you up. So maybe he'll be able to coax a little bit more confidence, a little bit more leadership out of Kirk Cousins. Um, and, and maybe he'll, he'll make, he'll set the locker room to such a way that Cousins feels comfortable. Kind of feel like Cousins kind of turtles up person. Like his personality is just kind of like, to, to go to work and to be quiet and a little more introverted and he's not necessarily going to uh, lash out. And, you know, if there, there are times when he'll do as you like that or do his like victory speeches or pregame speeches, but for the most part, he's just going to go to work and, and kind of, you know, play by the rules and, and not step out of line. So um, it's possible Harbaugh's such a colorful character. He'll probably bring out some of the personalities in the locker room. Um, I kind of feel like that's his style of coaching is he likes to see people's personalities um, but, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, Kirk, Kirk is always just going to be Kirk and you have to live with all the positives that brings and you have to live with all the negatives that brings. And there are plenty of both as, as we have beaten to death, um, <laughs> plenty of times before here. So, all right, well, let's, uh, we're going to take a turn here because there are other candidates. Nothing is official. Can't remember the name, uh, killer clowns from outer space. That is an all time great name in the comments today. <laughs> Letting us know that it's not official and in true Vikings fan right. fashion is saying, you know, let's not get too excited because if there's anything this team can do, it is let us down. But there's some other names that still have people kind of excited. 
Uh, and before the Harbaugh news, like people were really, really excited about some of these names. And then Harbaugh's just going to come in and like now all these people are trash, according to like Vikings fans on really all platforms at this point. Um, but Miles, you you sent me the article, so I'll start with you on this one. And we'll have to go a little quick because we do have a couple other things to get to. But luckily, for some of these guys, there's not very much out there that you can find about them. So it should be an easy conversation for us to get through pretty quick. Uh, Kevin O'Connell. What do we know about him? Why do people love him so much? Why was he blocked from interviewing in, in years previous? And why should we want him as our coach? Yeah, I mean, so there was an article um, from when the Denver Broncos interviewed him for the head coaching position before they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Um, it basically talks about he's like the key to the, the Rams offense the last two years. And so um, take that what you, how you want to. He's not calling the plays, but everything that was laid out in that article essentially says – He's the one coming up with the game plan. He's the one coming up with the the um, the run run pass orientations during the week and the, and, the, and the scheme essentially. And so he's the one building that each week. And so that I think that's the part people forget about not calling plays is the the coaches behind the, behind the scenes that don't call plays are still putting a lot of work in during the week. And there's usually a vital person in those situations. And so it sounds like uh, Kevin O'Connell's that vital person to Sean McVay's offense. Um, Sean likes to call plays because it's a competitive, he gets to be competitive. He gets to, you know, get his juices flowing and all that. But with Kevin O'Connell, I wouldn't worry about the fact of not calling plays because I think as a head coach, maybe he doesn't want to call plays. You don't have to call plays as the head coach. And so if you can come and, and provide really good stability, really good leadership, and then a good foundation for you know, this, this would be obviously the offense, but a good foundation for an offense um, with really good concepts. That's, a, that's as important as calling the plays. I mean, you can get somebody to call good plays, but you, need, you also need someone behind the scenes to, to put the concepts together. So um, hearing all that about O'Connell got me excited a little bit. I think um, I tried tried to stay a little bit away from like the offense or defensive-minded head coach because they need to be a CEO in general. That's my preference for a head coach. I think that doesn't mean they can't call plays, but they need to be a CEO. It's not about just one side of the ball or the other. It's about the entire unit and, and team. And so – um, hopefully any, any of the coaches that they've brought in as finalists can provide that, but it sounds like O'Connell has, has so far from everything we've heard can be that type of person. Hopefully, um, it sounds like, I know, I think Doogie and other people have reported like before the Harbaugh stuff started, um, ramping up, O'Connell's kind of been the leading candidate. I've also heard the same thing. Um, I don't have the same strong sources that Doogie and those guys have, but, um, I, you know, some people I trust, like I've, I've heard O'Connell, um, has been a, a front runner. So, Obviously, we'll see what happens, but um, I wouldn't count him out. And obviously, I have to wait till after the Super Bowl. But he seems like a guy that could come in and, and provide um, long-term stability at, on offense and hopefully some innovation and leadership. All right. Uh, well, this is going to be awkward. There it is. Nick. Hello again. O'Connell. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, a lot of the same things as Miles. I think – when the Vikings fired Zimmer, this is kind of the, the anti-Zimmer. This is your young, offensive-focused, analytics-friendly, um, hot-rising, Sean McVay coach um, <laughs> that, that's, that's coming up and is highly respected in, in NFL league circles. This is a guy who, Sean McVay, um, you know, Brandon Staley, this was Brandon Staley's number one choice to be his offensive coordinator and play caller in, in, with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And, and McVay said, no, he's too important to my team. I'm blocking that request. I'm going to keep him. 
Um, this is a guy who's got another in- interview request to be a head coach. Um, the, the the dig on him is, he, you know, McVeigh. How much of McVeigh is the is the real brain trust there? Um, and that's a fair question. But we've seen Zach Taylor go on to have a Super Bowl this year. Um, he did it in call plays, and we've seen Matt Lafleur go on to have, you know, like the best win percentage of any coach in NFL history with the Packers. Um, in a very similar situation as 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 McVeigh's offensive coordinator. So. Um, the coaching tree, uh, I think, assuages a lot of those concerns. I like Kevin O'Connell. I think he's a little boring. And my main concern is, one, is he ready to be a head coach? Because he's pretty green. He's pretty young. Um, is he ready to, like, hire a defensive coordinator? Who would that be? Is he ready to manage that side of the ball? Um, I'm not as concerned about play calling because, one, he did call plays for a short period in 2017 in Washington after Jake Gruden got fired. Um, so that was like, you know, week six, Jay Gruden got fired. He called plays for the final 10 games. So he's not like, he's not like never, ever, ever done it before. Um, it was a while ago and <laughs> that wasn't a very so, good offense. <laughs> uh, that was so like Nick, Kirk Cousins' worst year, but go, go for I have, it. Uh, so M- Mateo uh, asked, uh, asked the question uh, because there's, uh, I think it was Mateo in the comments, but like people have brought up the coaching tree, but Mateo's pointed out like you have a LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. You have, you know, Zach Taylor, you got Joe Burrow. It seems that like all the guys who've gone out and had like top level success, they've also been paired with like great quarterbacks. And so like is how do you parse that out? Like how much of it is like the coach and how much of it is like, you know, you hit the lottery and you have like one of the best, you know, five quarterbacks in in the NFL on yeah. your roster at the time. And like, how do you parse that out when you are looking at something like the McVeigh coaching tree? Yeah. I mean, it's always both. It's always going to be both the scheme and the quarterback. And, and you usually it's, it's mostly the quarterback, but with this wide zone offense, it's so um, scripted and robotic and designed to be, um, you know, it, it's so quarterback friendly, I guess I should say not robotic, but just it's friendly for quarterbacks that, uh, you don't necessarily need a Rodgers. When you get a Rodgers to buy into it and, and, and really execute it at a high level, then that's that's a whole nother level of, of, of elite quarterback play. But like you, we've seen Jared Goff. We've seen um, uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill. We've seen, um, you know, Matt Ryan, like an even better version of this in 2017 with Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, uh, was an MVP, was the MVP. So um, you don't necessarily need to have like a, a, a supremely gifted, talented um, Patrick Mahomes out there uh, to have a very efficient offense with the, with the scheme. So I um, O'Connell isn't my favorite candidate for you know the reasons I I, I kind of just listed, but um, I certainly understand. I mean, this is the guy who fits the framework of young, um, uh, offensive minded, uh, knows the scheme, has a scheme that Kirk Cousins um, can have a lot of success in, and I do believe Cousins would have a lot of success in it. And this is why Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are always like saying such glittering pleasantries about Kirk Cousins is they, they, they just see how well he can execute their system. And this is a system where if you have a quarterback who can just do his job, it can take you very far. So I think the matchup makes a lot of sense. Um, and I would not be surprised if something, if Harbaugh fell through or Harbaugh returned to Michigan, this was all just a leverage play for more money there, or Miami comes in and swoops in at the last second. And, you know, one of those things falls, you know, and, the, and it all falls through. I do think O'Connell makes a lot of sense. So. All right. But Nick. is it Miami coming in and swooping in sort of toxic now after what happened today? <laughs> I mean, we can talk Probably. about that. We got time for Miami. 
We got time for Miami. They might just have to like really, really, really break the bank. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll we'll go first to because Flip is in here. He's giving his rankings of what he would like. And Nick, lead us in. You know, Raheem Morris. Uh, he was someone that Vikings Twitter seemed very, very excited about. Uh, you know, both sides of the ball experience. Players love him. Another one of the candidates who in many ways, just based on the way like his players were talking about him, players, coach type, seemed like an anti-Zimmer type candidate. I guess, what are your thoughts on, on Raheem Morris? Where does he stack up in your list of, of coaches? And how would you feel um, about him and like what he'd be bringing to the table? Yeah, I would say I like I like Raheem Morris. I, I would not put him as highly as O'Connell or as Patrick Graham. I would say... Um, he's probably in the next year of like guys who I can see it, but I have I have questions about Patrick Graham and and Kevin O'Connell. It's like I I like it, I can see the fit, and then you know Harbaugh's in his own tier because you know he's won seventy percent of his games in the NFL. So just on this just on a separate tier. But what I like about Raheem Morris is for what you mentioned, um, he's a Shanahan guy, so he was a passing game coordinator in Kyle Shanahan's offense. At the same time, we just saw him put together an amazing defensive plan to completely shut down Kyle Shanahan's offense in the NFC Championship game. So he's he's a good defensive mind. I think um, he's an up and coming defensive mind. Um, you know, right now he's the defensive coordinator for the Rams. I have some questions about like, okay, yeah, you, it's one thing to scheme up a defense when you have Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Now you're going to be going to, to DJ Wanham and Anthony Barr's replacement, you know, Troy Dye or whatever. And uh, Harrison Hand at cornerback, like uh, you, you're not cooking with the same, you know, ingredients. So uh, we'll 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 see what kind of defense he can slap together there. But I do like, I love the bloodlines. I love that you know, even though his first head coaching stint with the Bucks went pretty pretty awful. I mean, he had one ten win season, but he overall like won thirty three percent of his game. So um, pretty kind of crashed and burned. That he wasn't exactly set up to succeed, but it was it was a he 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 will even admit it was it was a pretty um, poor first outing, but. I like that he got that experience and he's able to, he's been able to learn from it. Um, I think a lot of times when you see head coaches get a second chance and a lot of them do deserve second chances, especially when they were guys that were such hot high risers that they got buy-in at the, at the, you know, when they were 30 years old or something. Um, so I, I, I like his experience. The resume, obviously very impressive coming from both being a wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator, and not just, not just an offensive guy, but an offensive guy for Kyle Shanahan. Um, and then to come out and then be also a defensive coach, and to be such a player's coach, like Jalen Ramsey is saying, this is the best coach I've literally ever had. No disrespect to anybody else, but he's the best. You know, I will go to a bat for him. Best coach I've ever had. So, and, and the guys just rave about him. So, um, if you're looking for a, a player's coach, if you're looking for, um, you know, like a Mike Tomlin, if you're looking for somebody who can change the culture in the Vikings organization and get buy-in from the players and relate to them on an interpersonal level and not just like a grumpy Mike Zimmer, I'm going to be in my office scheming up of like a mad scientist. Um, Morris makes a lot of sense. So I definitely get the appeal. My main question is, um, you know, the offense got worse this year. The deep, that, that defense, the Rams defense got worse this, this past year, despite adding Von Miller. Um, and I, I feel like he's a little green. I, I do think he had a great game plan in the NFC championship game, but I'm a little, I wouldn't quite put him on like a, like a Vic Fangio level as a defensive mind or anything yet. So, um, I, I, I am a little concerned that, you know, yes, he's had all these jobs, but is he particularly good at any of them? Um, I'm always wary of hiring like that one coordinator um, who gets really hot for one year and then gets hired as a head coach. 
you know, um, because <laughs> you never know if he just got like, you know, if he, you know, just had a Case Keenum type year, you know, we got really hot and then, you know, came back down to earth or something next year. So, uh, I, I think there's a lot about him that makes sense, and I get why people got really excited about him. I get why a lot of people have him as their favorite candidate. I just have some questions, so not quite as high on him as some of the other guys. And uh, Daniel and Jacob, you are correct. Dave is killing it with the graphics. Dave has been putting in work. Just want to reiterate, he's been putting in that work behind the scenes, redesigning things. Not sure if you saw how we all swooped in here at the beginning. Dave did that, so that's right. Shout out to producer Dave. Thank you Thank for you. all of that. Miles, what are your thoughts on uh, Raheem Morris? And then when you're done with that, just take us into uh, Patrick Graham, who I'm going to admit is the person out of all the candidates I knew absolutely the least about before this whole process started. Yeah, so Raheem Morris, I think uh, to kind of what Nick was touching on, all the different uh, areas he's touched on as a coach across the NFL, I think that's what makes me the most excited about him as a candidate is the fact that he's been and done a little bit of everything. And so then when you, I, it feels like the perfect type of resume to add, to make someone the CEO of your football team, because when you know how everything operates on both sides of the football, I think that's super important. So I, and that's why I touched on earlier about not your head coach doesn't need to be the, the core play caller. Like to, to Nick's point though, the scheming aspect of it is very important. So what kind of scheme would he bring if, if his focus would still be the defensive side of the ball as a head coach, what kind of scheme would he bring? But as an, a general overall like CEO, I think Raheem Morris probably fits the bill better than any of the coaching candidates that they have, even Harbaugh. Just from like a true CEO standpoint of a uh, I've been and touched everything um, type of coach, and and then obviously you had the players, the players loving him and and that type of um, personality to the mix. I just feel like. If it's not in Minnesota, Raheem Morris definitely deserves an opportunity to be a head coach again. And I think kind of like a Josh McDaniels, hopefully he learned from the mistakes he had from the first time around when he was young. And maybe this time around, you know, he gets that full opportunity and he's he's more more confident in what he's going to do. Um, so I think I, I don't think he's going to become the Vikings head coach. If he did, I'd have no issues with it. I'd be really excited. I think he'd be a really good candidate. I think he's been a good candidate. So I'm glad that they um, they got him into the mix. Um, yeah, and if he ends up being the coach, great. Um, I think I think he'd be a good a good candidate. Um, Patrick Graham, I still don't know a lot. I think there was a, there was the one article I did read about him was more about like his process and and how he handles things and and you know you touch on the buzzword analytics and all those stuff. How open he is to, to those things and how much of a players coach. I know that word comes up a lot. Those, those words come up a lot, but like sounds like his players love him as well. So I think those types of things are really important. And so. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, with Patrick Graham, I I think the one thing I want people to get to get away from is the fact that just because he came from the Giants, it doesn't make him a bad a bad coach. Like he may have been a in a bad situation. The Giants were a dumpster fire. The the Giants were clearly a mess. So don't put that all on Patrick Graham. Like just because he was a part of a a toxic situation and a, a shitty situation doesn't mean he himself is a bad coach, a bad schemer, a bad, uh, you know, a, a bad overall coach, like coach in general. So um, I, I would just caution on, on, on not focusing on that. He's also a name that most people don't know. So that means they also, because they don't know him, that means he's, he can't be good. And that's just, that in itself is not, is not real either. So um, yes, he's still the, he's still the, um, the candidate we know the least about, but it sounds like crazy has, um, 
has a relationship with him, knows him. And I, I think that is important. Um, he had a nine hour, nine hour interview today with the Vikings. That in itself, whether they hire Harbaugh tomorrow, that still kind of leaves me with a, is the door still open for someone like Patrick Graham to come in and swoop in and take the job out of nowhere? Because, because the relationship with Kwesi, they have him in, they have him in the facility, just like people are saying with Jim Harbaugh, you don't fly him out to not, to not make him the head coach. Well, they just, they just flew out Patrick Graham. Like, do they fly him out to waste his time? I hope not. So um, we'll see how things, how things go, but it sounds like things have gone well with the interviews they've done with him. And so he kind of got added to the mix late as well. Uh, obviously, once uh, Crazy became GM, they swooped in and, and got uh, Graham involved. But um, I'm just excited to kind of see how it goes. But he seems like he seems like if it's he's like a future head coach if it's not this cycle. Nick, what are your thoughts? Because I remember, I'm pretty sure it was you that put, you were telling us about some of the interesting things that even just schematically, as bad as the Giants were overall, just some of the the creative things that that Graham really brought to the table. Um, that made you intrigued by the idea, not necessarily all in on him as a coach, but just intrigued by the way that like he would work to get the most out of the players that he had, even though he didn't really have a lot of great players a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. No, I think Patrick Graham is, is a rising star in the NFL. And I think people who pay attention to like the schemers recognize that Patrick Graham, despite being four years old, um, is doing a lot of really interesting things on the defensive side of the ball. So that I think um, really gets me intrigued. I, you know, he's not like Zimmer or Harbaugh level, but for the next generation of defensive coaches, I think he's right up there with, you know, I'd, I'd put him up there with anyone, even the, the, the Staley's and the, you know, anyone else in that tier. So um, he, he was kind of one of the first persons to, when he had Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, um, you know, was doing kind of those bare fronts, those um, using like lots of nose guards to be able to do more too high stuff on the back end. Um, was 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 mixing up his fronts, disguising his coverages. He does a lot of things really well, I think, to get the most out of his players. James Bradbury had his big breakout year last year with Patrick Graham as his defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, he's he's highly respected in that organization. They made him an assistant head coach. Um, he kind of came up. It's he's got an interesting story. He kind of came up as under the Belichick tree as as a guy who's just like I'm gonna pad. I'm gonna like watch every game and diagram everything, and I'm gonna grind it out till two a.m. every night, like learning everything about every single play possible. Um, but he's also like a Yale educated guy. Um, and, and it is like an analytics friendly kind of guy too. So, um, there's a lot of things that I think are really intriguing. I, I feel like he and Quasi do Comenza, uh, like, like fit together really well. So, um, you know, not just the Ivy league connection or like, you know, the young upcoming black guy in the league connection as well, but like just being, um, you know, smart guys with a lot of, a lot of things to offer. Um, and I do think, look, the giants defense hasn't been good these last two years, but, when, when um, Patrick Graham came in, they were like ranked like, I think, 30th or something in DVOA. They brought them up to like 18th or something the last couple of years. That's not good. But taking a bad roster, I mean, look at those defensive players there. There's not a lot of talent on that, on that, on that defensive roster. And taking like a very, very bad roster and making it average is just as impressive to me as taking an average roster and making it a top five defense or something. So, um, and, and in fact, in a lot of ways, it's even harder to scheme around bad players on defense because defense talk about this is, is fragile it's a weak link system um you know if you've got bad cornerbacks you know you can have one all pro but if you've got a bunch of other bad cornerbacks they can just quarterbacks and just pick on that one bad guy or whatever so um, for the most part it's hard to scheme around bad players on defense and that's what patrick graham has had to do i feel like he's had a lot of success um you're seeing right now buffalo doesn't want to let him go they're saying we're going to keep him unless he gets hired as a head coach we're keeping him they'll probably block interviews 
Um, I think the Vikings clearly are very seriously interested because it was, it's been reported Quizzy Adopomensa's first list of head coaches and his first interview was Jim Harbaugh, my old pal, Patrick Graham, um, and I think the third was um, Kevin O'Connell. So um, this was this was a guy on Quizzy's radar as he came in um, and is, in, I think, on a lot of radars just as like an up-and-comer. So there's, I think if you're looking for, a, and I haven't even really gotten into this, but you know players love him. Like Dalvin Tomlinson will go to bat for him as like one of the best coaches he's ever had. All the players in New York love the guy. Um, so he's, you know, he checks the players coach box, players box, um, players coach box. He checks the analytics box. He checks like the, the young, smart, um, up and comer, the, the, the scheme box. So I feel like he brings a lot to the table that make me really interested in him as, as a potential future head coach. If, um, if it weren't for Jim Harbaugh, I would probably say Patrick Graham is my favorite candidate of the bunch. Um, but given that Jim Harbaugh came along, it's just hard to compete with that. But I will be very, I, I will be very interested. I do think um, Patrick Graham probably will be a head coach sooner rather than later, just just based on you know kind of the same way Quasi Dolphinsa was, where he's just like you see this name coming up enough, and and there's enough respect behind it by enough people in the know that I feel like his time is coming, and it's only a matter of time. So um, very intrigued by him, but. Um, uh, because of Jim Harbaugh, unfortunately, he's, he's taking. He's probably going to take it backstage. So, all right. If he were well, somewhat, you know, if with with all the all allegations coming out, if he decided he didn't want to be a part of the New York Giants anymore, I would love to have him as a defensive coordinator. We'll say that much. Well, yes. Look at that. Nick set me up. Perfect segue because we're not going to get out of here. We're talking about the other coaching news. Thankfully, you know, this time there's news going on. It's not about the Vikings, but. uh you know, Brian Flores, someone who, like folks early in the kind of, you know, coaching carousel season, were like, oh, maybe him, maybe he could be someone for the Vikings. You know, he squeezed a lot out of, you know, those Dolphins rosters over the last couple of years, seems to be a a good coach. Um, and things didn't end well down there. Miles today, there was, you know, a lawsuit <laughs> filed against, you know, the Giants in the NFL, in which... I mean, frankly, some things that I think a lot of people, a lot of us have known for a very long time that mm-hmm. like, you know, there can be some favoritism. There can be some, uh, you know, sham interviews and things like that when it comes to minority head coaches. It's already documented. They don't tend to get as much uh, leeway when it comes to, to performance and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, you had Flores, who's like the first Dolphins coach to put together like back to back winning seasons and God knows how long getting fired after the season um, you know, potentially a, a sham interview with the uh, the Giants, Bill Belichick coming through in in evil mastermind <laughs> style, accidentally sending texts that implicate the only team to uh, mess him up on his Super Bowl runs there in some uh, in some funny business. Uh, and so, yeah, Miles, I guess we'll start with you on this and get your thoughts on kind of the whole situation and where you're at. And then we got a lawyer here. So, you know, we're going to get Nick's thoughts on this whole thing and, like, how it might play <laughs> out. So, uh, yeah, Miles, <laughs> fire away. I'll, I'll start I'll start by saying I, I commend um, – I'm really, like, proud, and I think it's um, commendable for Brian Flores to do this. That's not – he's essentially blackballing himself from the NFL again. Um, I think we all know that, whether it's, quote-unquote, like, acceptable or, or legal for the NFL to do that for retaliation purposes – um, I think we can all. It's all safe to say that the second you sue you sue the NFL, you're probably not going to be back working in the NFL. So um, to make that move in itself, I think is really brave. And so um, yeah, I'm just I'm proud of Flores for stepping forward and, and making that type of decision because I know it probably wasn't an easy one for him. Um, but it 
it unfortunately had to be done. I think this is a an important step. We see the NFL do a lot of um, that a lot of lip service with with um, yeah. <laughs> yeah window dressing lip service with with with, with you know racial equality and those things. And so um, this is important. The Rooney Rule, um, albeit like I understand. It's like it's an important part of the NFL. I think I think it is necessary. Unfortunately, like it, you wish it wasn't necessary, but it is. Um, but teams are still going to hire whoever they want to. They're just going to they're going to exploit people for interviews, and then they're going to pretend like those interviews mattered when in reality a lot of them didn't. And that's that's an unfortunate situation for you know black black coaches or minor other minorities, you know women and and you know non you know non black but you know people of color, and so. That in itself is is a, is a major problem with what the NFL is trying to do too, because their individual teams are going to take their approach however they want to. And so, when I question, I, I did this actually. Brian Flores, we, we were hearing all this steam about Josh McCown um, to the Texans and all those things. Then we heard all oh, Brian Flores is going to come in for an in person interview. And the first thing I said was, "Is his interview before Josh McCown's?" Because if it's before Josh McCown's, that just tells me is he a serious candidate or not? Because all this steam about Josh McCown and, and all that stuff, are they just using Brian Flores as the Rooney rule and to, to satisfy the Rooney rule? And I think in that, that in itself is just, it just sucks. It, it, I've been called for interviews from companies for being, for being black, you know? And, and like, when you know it, when you know that feeling, it, it doesn't feel good. Like it, it really doesn't. And I can only, you can take it to the nth degree in the NFL. Like mine's nowhere near the, what the NFL level is for the, for these guys. Like they worked at, they work their asses off to get to the positions they are just to be, just to be told that this is a, this is good for you to do. But then in reality, it's just being, you're just getting treated like, like shit. And so, um, I, I've always questioned the interview process. And so I don't know this solve, but I, there something needs to be done. And I, I'm just really glad that Brian Flores is coming forward and, and, and doing, and saying something and speaking out and, it's not just for him. It's for other minority candidates moving forward. And so it sounds like, as we know, a lot of other assistant coaches and other coaches around the league probably have their own, own sort of like collected files and evidence that they're, they're probably going to try to bring forward too, because they've been a part of the same shit. They've seen it. Like they've literally seen it firsthand. Like, so, and the Vikings aren't absolved of this. Like just because the Vikings hired Quasi Odefamensa does not mean that they don't have their own issues with, with the hiring process, right? Like you can hire a black person and still have your own issues like that. That doesn't make you absolved of, of problems. And so when someone questions like the Vikings morality in, in this, in this situation, it's okay to, to like sit back and wonder if, if the Vikings are being genuine or not, you don't have to believe everybody's genuine because more times than not, what we've seen across the NFL is they're not. And so um, I just ask that people are, be open-minded to what they're hearing. They'll let people like Brian Flores tell their stories because he, he obviously isn't the only one. There's so many stories out there and, and it, 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 we just need, we need change. You know, we need, we need something needs to be to me to be better than the current process that they have. So, yeah. Thanks. Miles. And, uh, and Nick from like a legal perspective, how do you see this playing out? I don't know that you've had an opportunity to read and of everything that's been out there, but like, even with the like the the Belichick issue, like there's a lot of wild allegations in there in terms of like payments to potentially lose games and and, and a bunch of other things. Like I didn't even based touch on, on your that. understanding that like, of things, yeah. Like yeah, Ryan what are your Flores thoughts on how this all goes? 
He sabotaged the sabotage, and I think that's the wildest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Um, I think the most interesting thing about this from a legal perspective is it's actually a class action lawsuit, which means that Brian Flores is suing the NFL on behalf of the entire class of discriminated people of color who are coming forward and saying, yeah, I, I've been there too. Uh, you know, I've, I've been like the token guy that they brought in for the interview so they could check the box and then move on to the white guys. So, um, and you're seeing a lot of those sentiments bubble up and saying other people being like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could kudos to DeForest for actually speaking up because I felt the same way too. But I felt like if I ever, um, if I ever spoke up, then that would be my career on the line. So um, I, I do think uh, Flores is really going to bat, you know. And, and this is, um, it would be tough to see him getting a head coaching job in the future based just just based on where this is going because you know he's 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 literally suing the NFL and suing NFL teams about it. So. Usually when you are, you know, on the other party to, you know, litigation, things are not going to be hunky-dory going forward for you. So uh, I give him a lot of credit for being able to stick his neck out like that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like um, just structurally, there's just so much that needs to change, you know, and it's not just, um, you know, John Elway showing up hungover to an interview like like Flores alleged in, in his complaint um, or... Um, just just guys not getting a fair shot. It's like the entire pipeline starts out with picking the white guys as the quarterbacks in high school or middle school um, because, you know, that's you, you perceive them as like the smart kids. They're stupid, racist, um, unconscious biases. Even. I mean, sometimes conscious, I'm sure, but unconscious biases, that bubbles up. And then the white quarterbacks, the predominantly white quarterbacks are the ones who become the, the, the quarterbacks coaches in the NFL college ranks. They're the ones who become the offensive coordinators. You know, everybody wants like the next Sean McVay and that whole pipeline is white. It's, it's, it's all white dudes right now. And it's just because that's how it's all structurally set up. So um, at, at every level, there's just more change needs to be made. It needs to be more inclusive. And that's, you know, that's what impresses me so much about like the Patrick Grams is here's somebody who's like um, in the face of all that has, has really made a name for himself as like a scheme guru. And, you know, despite all the, um, preconceived biases we have that that like white people are like the are the smart scheme guru guys. Here's a black man coming up, young, um, impressive. So I, I feel like we need to amplify those voices and just give more credit to um, Flores for bringing this one forward. So um, legally, I, I I'm not sure like this is going to necessarily um, you know he's he, I don't think he's out in this for the money, and I don't think that's what this lawsuit is about. Um, I think it's more just about, you know, that we need to have a serious conversation, like uh, a, like a legal conversation. There need to be repercussions for um, the, the both personal and structural racism that, that has plagued the NFL. So um, I, I'm glad Flores is bringing up. I think it's an important conversation to have. Um, and I hope it leads to change in the NFL. As last question for you, um, like what sort of things for a case like this, like, could be on the table from like a discovery standpoint, like what kind of information could like Flores and his lawyers potentially get access to as like part of a case like this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, if it, you'll need a judge to, I think like bless it so that it can go forward to discovering everything. So um, it probably has some legal hurdles to before because you know, they, they don't, not that this is this case, but you don't want to just let people start like going through everybody's personal emails and texts and stuff before you've proven that, you know, you have a, a valid complaint or something. So, but assuming it gets to that point, um, yeah, I mean, they could go after the NFL's emails. They could go after personal texts and stuff. Um, it just all kind of depends on 
what they feel is, is relevant to the scope of the investigation. But as we've already seen, you know, Bill Belichick's personal text messages show evidence of guys um, being passed over and decisions already being made before you even comply with the Rooney rule, then you're not really complying with the, the, the Rooney rule. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, it's going to get to text messages, it's going to get to emails, it's going to get to all that stuff. And as we've seen with, you know, the, the whole um, John Gruden email scandal, um, you know, there's a lot of dirty laundry in those NFL emails. So um, I, I do think there's going to be more to come from this and it'll probably... <laughs> there's going to be some skeletons that will be unearthed from the closets. So that's a good question, Jason, because it's that's going to definitely color, I think, uh, where the next chapter of this, this this lawsuit goes, because I do think it's only just starting. Um, because like I said, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there that we just, we don't know that we don't know yet. So um, it'll be interesting to see if and when those things get unearthed. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you for, for jumping in. And uh, for, the, for most of you, thanks for... Uh... Yeah, for sticking around as we have this very important conversation. Raymond, you asked a question around what's the number. We don't know what the number is, but we know that right now, based on the proportions of players in the league who apparently are smart enough to understand and play the game, that where we are right now from the people who are coaching the game and leading the teams, the proportions are out of whack. And so I just think that that's something that we should be able to acknowledge. like openly plainly and say that like it needs to be better right like this is a field in which the majority of the people are black and very few of the decision makers are if we can't admit that that needs to be better then like that in and of itself is a problem or the idea that like if you were to put a black person in that role that this somehow isn't because of merit is also a problem and so if that's something that comes to mind when you hear that that's a conversation that you need to go and maybe have some self-reflection on and wonder, make, and, and ask yourself the question, why it is you feel like a black person can't be in that position because they earn that position. So as we started off, we talked about there are qualified candidates across the board here. There are white candidates who are, are, are qualified. There are black candidates who are qualified. But if you have a first thought of like, oh, well, like that black guy, he can't be qualified for that role. Or, oh, like, why would they think of him? Why would they take a chance on like, those are things that you need to have some self-reflection, like some honest self-reflection about and really ask yourself why that might be a thing. Um, because like racism is real. It's a thing. We know it's a thing. So like if it's one of those things, you're still plugging your ears and saying, la, 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 that doesn't happen. Like, please grow up. Like, grow up. Join us in the real world. Um, but these are conversations that are important. Uh, again, you know, for the most part, we like to keep things light. But this was something that we couldn't. Uh, avoid it was a very important conversation that we need to have so miles nick thank you for making the time to come on all of our listeners actually i won't say all of our listeners today all of our viewers today i say like 99 percent of y'all a couple of y'all kick rocks don't come back we'll try to make sure we figure all that stuff after the show is over but all the rest of y'all thanks for coming through thanks for joining the conversation thanks for being active in the chat asking us all the questions we appreciate most of you not all of you, but most of you. We appreciate you. Producer Dave, as always, thanks for all the work that you do, putting all the shows together. Nick, doing double duty. If you haven't checked it out, check Nick out on Kindred Schools. If you haven't, subscribe to the show. Do that. Subscribe here. Like. Tell your friends. And uh, we will be here all week. David, what's coming up next? Hold on. Seeing, I want to apologize for letting some of these people get through into the comments. I have no control over that. 
As soon as I see them, I'm trying to delete them. This is not a place for racism. It doesn't matter how much melanin someone has in their skin as to whether they're worth a shit or not. Period. We are all of the human race. It doesn't matter. Jason is a very good friend of mine. Miles is a very good friend of mine. I have spent my life fighting with people of all color, and it absolutely does not matter. We want for the Vikings the most qualified people. I don't care if they're black, white, purple, pink, have spots, or anything else. Racism will not be allowed on this channel. Do you understand? I hope they do now. Thank you. And tomorrow night, it's going to be a busy day. <laughs> but tomorrow night, and I apologize for my rant, but nothing more infuriates me than putting down people. Period. Tomorrow night, as I take a quick breath, we have Chad Graff of The Athletic that will join us on Vikings Happy Hour to talk I'm sure the Vikings head coaching situation, and we will see if we have one by then. It should be fun. So bring your beverages. Join Matt and the gang with Chad as we have Vikings happy hour tomorrow night. Sorry about that, guys. It sort of infuriates me to see that sort of stuff. No apologies required. Play the music, guys. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody.